The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to John. Glory to you, Lord Christ. At the time of the festival of the dedication took place in Jerusalem, it was winter, and Jesus was walking in the temple in the portico of Solomon. So the Jews gathered around him and said to him, How long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Messiah, tell us plainly. Jesus answered, I have told you, and you do not believe. The works that I do in my Father's name testify to me, but you do not believe, because you do not belong to my sheep. My sheep hear my voice. I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. What my Father has given me is greater than all else, and no one can snatch it out of my Father's hand. The Father and I are one. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. In the name of the Holy Trinity, one God. Amen. What a week this has been. It began as uh, to be a promised a wonderful marathon day. The runners were excited about the fact that this was going to be the best times to run. The weather was just right, and it certainly started out well, a beautiful day. And then we all, in our own way, experienced the tragedy of that day, and we were shocked, stunned by the terrorism that was displayed there. I know that many of you have perhaps connections to people who were at that spot or who knew someone who was there. It seems like nearly everyone in the Boston area, in one way or another, were touched by that. It was an overwhelming experience. Well, then we went through the week, it seemed like day after day, wondering what would happen if they'd ever find those who had done this terrible deed. And then there was the shootout. Friday morning, and it was Patriots Day, the 19th. 6 a.m., I was out uh, at the hillside overlooking North Bridge. Uh, Over the last few years, I've been there for the invocation and the benediction at Dawn Salute. And it's a wonderful ceremony. I always appreciate it, standing there on the hillside with looking down into the valley leading over to North Bridge. There's almost always a mist that hangs in that valley early in the morning. And the geese fly by and honk. It's just beautiful. It's perfect. And then the Concord Independent Battery start uh, shooting their cannons. And the muskets fire uh, from the Minutemen. The geese don't like that much. (laughs) But it was beautiful up there. And I thought about how wonderful this particular commemoration was of the shot heard round the world. And I also thought about the shot heard round the world from the finish line, the marathon. That was a very confusing moment for me. And perhaps this whole thing has been very confusing for all of us. How do we get our heads around it? During that uh, Friday, as they were searching for the other perpetrator, you probably caught glimpses as well of the comments about these two men, and especially about the younger one. 
People described him as a loving, caring person, somebody who had a lot of friends. He was fun to be with. He partied with us. One even said he was like an angel. And when I heard that, I thought, how can I understand someone who has displayed that kind of a life to many people being able to do what apparently he had done? And then I thought back over the the events of uh, that marathon day. And I know you have heard many of the accounts as well of, of what happened that day. There were those who ran toward the terror rather than away from it in order to be able to help real heroes. There were also those who had finished their marathon, one doctor running another two miles and working for hour upon hour in the emergency room at Mass General in order to save lives. I spoke with another doctor from our own congregation who works at Mass General, and he said, many times I've been there, and and you don't often find blood at the entry, but there was that day. It was a horrendous scene, but there were real heroes that came out of that event. And it struck me that one of the things that we have to deal with as humankind is the potential in each one of us for tremendous good, but also for tremendous evil. And I think that the scariest part of that is that realizing that each one of us has that potential for evil, given the right circumstances, that we might also do the unthinkable. I don't know about you, if you've lived very long, you've probably had a time in your life, I know that I have, when I've had that sense of being so close to stepping over that line. I think it's our faith that helps us at those times. I think it's a realization of who we really are and what we really are at our core that keeps us from those moments of acting so horribly. But for some, obviously, that does not happen. I have more questions than I have answers, and I I must say that it is at times such as this that it's difficult to be a priest because people, I think, often expect us to have clear and simple answers. But I think you know there are none. There are no easy answers. It's very complicated. And it's complicated in part because it has to do with human nature. So as I thought about these events and I thought about uh, the presence of good and evil at the same time, tremendous good and evil in the same place, I realized that, that what this is for us, I think, is a question of the soul. What has it done to us? And what about our souls? We recognize the need to care for the souls of our children in this parish, and especially when things such as this happen. And this past week, Carol Brady sent to the teachers of the younger uh, church school students, uh, she sent them a suggestion that they use the godly play uh, lesson that has to do with the Good Shepherd. And she also provided all of the teachers with some guidelines about how to respond if this, uh, the, the events of the last week come up in the classroom. So I'm confident that the children are being taken care of. Their souls are being nourished at this time and being surrounded with love and with protection.
But I think we, too, need to think about and meditate on the Good Shepherd. Because especially at times such as this, I believe it's the Good Shepherd that we need. The one who will be with us through it all. The one who will never leave us. We uh, sang the uh, Psalm 23. It's the, it's the version out of the uh, 79 uh, Psalter. I've never warmed to that version particularly. <laughs> it just doesn't trip off the, the tongue. But it does convey the same as the King James version of it. And that is the reality that the Good Shepherd is going to take care of us. The Good Shepherd is with us on the hillside where all of it is, is a verdant green and where we're tremendously happy to have things perfect, just as they ought to be, but still waters going by. And in that, in that uh, part of the psalm, it says that he restoreth my soul. That's what we need today. We need our souls restored. And then it goes on. And it says that the shepherd leads the sheep through the valley of the shadow of death. That even in death, the good shepherd is there. And then finally, they come up on the other side and there's that banquet which is spread out before all of us. The banquet that waits for us with the Lord. It's a very comforting psalm. And I think for me, it captures all of life that is protected and guided by the Good Shepherd. There's another uh, scripture that I always turn to whenever I find myself uh, questioning or wondering or whenever I feel that uh, I'm, I'm feeling alone, perhaps, in this life. And it's one that's often heard at funerals or memorial services. But some of you don't attend as many memorial services as I do, so I thought I would read it to you this morning. It's from Romans chapter 8. Who will separate us from the love of Christ? Will hardship or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ. That is the Good Shepherd, the one who is with us always. The one who cares for us in this life, the one who cares for us in death, the one who cares for us in life beyond death. So how will we respond to the events of the past week? I think as Christians, one of the first things that we do is we pray. And following the example of Jesus, we will pray for the two who apparently have done this terrible thing. We will pray for the repose of the soul of the older brother. We will pray for perhaps a change of heart, for justice, for the one who is alive. But we also will pray for all of those who suffered that day and suffer continuous unto now, this day. The ones who have lost family members who are grieving, 
those who died for the repose of their souls, those who are still getting medical attention for their healing, and for the many, many people who suffered a, a different kind of trauma, being uh, locked down for a day, not being able to go out, for those who were there and, and must relive the trauma of that day, we pray for them. But I think there's also something we can do. I believe we also need to act. We can be instruments of peace, instruments of peace in our workplace, in our homes, and in our communities. This past year at our diocesan convention, Bishop Shaw launched the Be Peace for George campaign. Now, some of you might remember uh, George Fuentes was uh, very active in the Be Safe program at St. Stephen's in the South End. And he was in that program from the time he was a little boy. And he, I believe, had graduated from high school, was walking his dog, and was shot in a drive-by shooting and killed. He was planning to uh, join the Marines. And he, he had become a real leader in the Be Safe program. Because of that, the diocese was really struck in a, in a very serious way by his, uh, his murder. Uh, there are people who are active in that Be Safe program from our congregation and from others that knew uh, George and cared for him. And Bishop Tom in particular felt that he had lost someone that he really loved. So this campaign is called Be Peace. And it means that we all need to look in our own hearts, in our own homes and communities, and look for where we can find a way to bring about peace. You know, we live in, in wonderful communities. We live in, he, he was shot in Dorchester, by the way. We live in, in wonderful communities where there's all kinds of support. But even in Concord, even in Acton, and the communities around us, there is a need for peace. Some of our homes do not have peace. And some of our children are in need of peace. So there are opportunities for us, even here. But this coming uh, Mother's Day, May 12th, uh, Bishop Tom has asked us, and in fact I, I received a phone call from him, <laughs> inviting me to be a part of this, to go into Dorchester and to walk with the mothers on the Mother's Day Walk for Peace. There was a group of mothers who began this walk, I believe it was 17 years ago, when they were wanting to come together in order to give support to one another because they had all lost children as a result of senseless murder. And so they have, year after year. And we are going to be a part of that walk, our diocese. I am planning to be there, and if there's any of you who would like to join me, I hope you'll consider it. Uh, and just let me know either at the, at the door or at coffee hour or send me an email because the diocese would like to know how many of us are coming. And after the walk, we'll have a celebration of the Eucharist with Bishop Shaw. But for me, uh, when I first got the call from Bishop Tom, I, it felt like an obligation. Uh, he asked as a favor, would I do this? But now it doesn't feel like an obligation. Rather, it feels like something that I need to do because I need to do something. 
We can no longer stand aside and wring our hands and wish that there was not so much violence in our society. It's time that we do something. And so this day we, we pray for those who have been so hurt. We pray for those who have died. We pray for those who have committed this atrocity. And we pray that God will pour out God's grace on the people of Boston and surrounding communities. And we pray for justice and mercy and peace. Amen.